Coming up, we begin by sharing the disappointment of no mail deliveries, how the NBA draft lottery works, and smart status lights. Then we get into the big tech story of the week, Fortnite versus Apple versus Google versus the government. Who will win? Find out right now. This is Don't Panic, episode number 285, recorded August 17th, 2020. We are not lawyers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Don't Panic, the technology podcast on gadgets, the internet, and you. I am Sean Jennings, joined by two guys with a deep, dark secret. They're the ones who've been stealing all the mail. It's Colby Rabideau and Dan Miller. Good evening, gentlemen. <laughs> you joke, but I didn't get mail for like a week and a half. I get mail like maybe two days a week. Yeah. And it was it was like all of a sudden one day, like I always get like at least one piece of trash mail a day. Or like maybe I'll have a single day or two days. Like usually if there's a Sunday in there, like two days with no mail. But like I went like a full week and a half. I didn't get one of those like your mail is coming today emails from the USPS. It was weird. I finally got mail today. Well, I found out we broke the drought. I found out (laughs) that, you know, not to not to get too much into the whole mail us mail saga but uh a a list came out of all of the distribution centers where they're chucking out those mail sorting machines for no reason and one of them is the springfield mass one that all my mail goes through and i'm like oh it just is literally sitting there in a giant pile of mail that (sighs) makes sense i think boston is on that list as well yeah thankfully thankfully i don't need mail (sighs) Wonderful. Well, Are either of you mail mail in voting this year? Can't no. do it in New York. What? Yeah. No, we're the only state north of the Mason Dixon line where you can't uh, vote absentee for any reason. And oh you- no, you can you can have an excuse like like you're injured, but COVID nineteen is explicitly excluded as a uh, excuse. Do you know why that is? Uh, no. I mean, a vague, like, incompetence and... It it is a political reason. There's actually a a group of Democrats called the IDC in the state legislature who essentially are Republicans. They caucus with the Republicans. That's why New York is weirdly behind the rest of the sort of Democratic states. But didn't we get rid of all those people between 2018 and Got rid of a lot of them, but it hasn't quite caught up to the cycle of passing bills and stuff, and it's, it's getting there. They still got more to get rid of. But you're right, a lot of them just got kicked out in 2018. They just weren't able to get the bills passed in time. Yeah. Well, so anyways, not me. Uh, I will be voting uh, early in person is usually what I do. Yeah, I think that's probably what I'm going to do, too. But, I don't know, though. Like, I guess it wasn't a presidential election, but like the last two elections have there have been has been like zero people at my polling place when I go like I just go like late morning. Which is a thing I can do because I have a stupid computer job. So I was going to say, you need to go get in there at like 8 a.m. to see the the, rush, the, real lines. the craziness. Yeah, yeah. Sure. 8, 8 a.m., 4 or 5 p.m. I love uh, I love early voting because it's at our local senior center um, and the senior citizens are so nice and they welcome <laughs> you and they're like super friendly. And I'm like, what a treat this is. I'm sorry you're going to get COVID and die because you volunteered doing this, but um, it's 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 a treat. Now, um, Dan, it's a little different from you. Do you have a primary on the first? Uh, I don't think so. OK, Colby and I have have mass primaries on the first. 
I don't think I do, but I also moved. Not every state so I, does, so it's entirely possible you don't. It's it's oh a, oh yeah the the New York primary was in June and that was a big kerfuffle because it was remember I don't know if yes. you heard this it was canceled and then it was uncanceled. Yep. Yep. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, Mass. We've got some. We got senators. We got representatives. We got the whole nine yards. Get out and vote. <sighs> Yeah. Do you got your uh, your sports uh, setup going on there with all the convention and stuff, Sean? I did watch some of the convention, but actually, I, I, truthfully, I actually did have both monitors going, but I had the NBA playoffs on one and the convention on the other. <laughs> um, Celtics won. Go Celtics. Uh, among other teams. No, the convention's weird because it's virtual this year. Everything's kind of either pre-recorded or awkwardly live via satellite. And it's not mm-hmm. that it's bad. It actually is very well produced and there were no hiccups, but also it totally loses any of the sort of spontaneity or oddness of having a bunch of people cheering boring political speeches. Right. And then and they, they, the delegate counting. Yeah, exactly. All that kind of like, or even just the commentators talking about like, wow, that was a weird speech or like, you know, I don't know. There's just, it's so low risk. It's basically just like watching a two hour movie every night produced by the Democrats. I don't know. It's not bad. (laughs) I'm not going to say it's bad. It's just not appointment viewing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I watched like half an hour before this. Yeah. I mean, it's slick. It, It looks nice, but that's, yeah, that's about all it's worth. I mean, there's not a lot of well-produced TV out there right now, so. Although, did you guys, I don't know if you saw on my retweet on Twitter today of my favorite political convention moment of all time. No. Was that the, the balloons? The balloon, the 04 yes. balloon drop, which is, if you haven't, go, it's on uh, twitter.com slash Sean Jennings. It's on my Twitter. It, it really is worth watching. It, it, I feel like I'm the guy in the clip because it was the 04 convention when Kerry accepted the nomination. And, you know, when when they do it, the balloons drop and the confetti goes off and all that. And for some reason, they were broadcasting the voice of the convention producer. And you see on the CNN feed, it's like the music's playing and John Kerry's hugging people. He just accepted the nomination. And the guy's like, all right, go balloons, drop balloons. And then like four, <laughs> bu- four, four balloons drop by. He goes, just drop the balloons, drop the balloon, hold confetti, drop balloons. And then, and then it's like a few more come down. Go for balloons. Guys, uh, just all the balloons. You got to just send all the balloons. And, then, <laughs> and this guy over like two minutes slowly gets crazier and crazier as the balloons don't go by. <laughs> and, and, and he's like, seriously, just go confetti. Just go. Guys, all the balloons, all the balloons. And then I, I think at one point in the clip, he goes, what is with these fucking morons? Or he says something <laughs> like that on the air. And he's just like, the goddamn go for balloons. And I really felt for that guy just getting slowly, slowly frustrated moment <laughs> by moment. It's, it really yeah. is a great clip if you haven't seen it. I can relate to that. And, it, and it's like, he really was professional for nearly all of it. And I'm like, that. I feel like that's my life where it's like, no, go balloons. And then just nothing happens. You're like, no, but seriously, go balloons. Ah. <laughs> uh. No balloons this year, unfortunately. That's that's a bummer. No. They're a contagion vector. <laughs> Someone's got to blow those balloons up. Right? But that is what's fun about watching it uh, right alongside the NBA where life continues in the bubble. Do you, got, do you guys have a, a pick for who's going to win the finals this year? I don't even know who's in the finals this year. Okay, just name any basketball team. Celtics. Uh, yes. Golden State Warriors. Actually, they did not make the playoffs this year. So Wow. Well, because uh, uh, Steph Curry was out all season with an injury and Clay Thompson was out all season with an injury. So they basically had one of the worst records in the league. Um 
Great. Great conversation. Now, what does, you, uh, yes, go ahead, Dan. Does the uh, basketball teams, do they do the thing that uh, other sports do where the if at the draft, the worst team gets the first picks? Oh, boy, what a great time to introduce the concept of the NBA draft lottery. Are you familiar with the draft lottery, Dan? No. Oh, it's one of the most controversial aspects of the National Basketball Association. You see, the <laughs> NBA used to work in a traditional worst team gets the first pick and work your way down. However, what they learned was teams would tank. They would literally lose on purpose to get a higher pick. And so the NBA wanted to mix it up a little bit, so they introduced the draft lottery. It's evolved a little bit over the years, but essentially how it works today is the top, or I should say the worst, 16 teams get essentially ping pong balls in a big jug that spins around like bingo powerball style exactly and based on your record is how many of your team's balls are in the jug right so the worst team has more balls than everyone else but it means you can be this the 16th worst team and still get the number one pick you just have much worse odds so it adds an element of surprise and intrigue Mm. um and it's it's a gamble with statistics so they actually have a live event which actually is tomorrow I believe tomorrow night, the NBA draft lottery, where on the air, they actually pull out the envelopes and nobody knows who's getting the first pick. We don't even know, but will we know who won the final at that point? But it's based on, uh, it's different this year because of COVID. It's based on the regular season record. Um, Uh and they're only, they're not counting the bubble games. So they're just using the regular season bubble games before that's it. It's the, it's the really shitty hunger games sequel. Well, they had, they have, they had a bubble MVP. They actually oh. had a special award for the bubble MVP. Was it? That's funny. Was it an Etsy seller who was making cloth masks? Dan, I will give you a crisp $100 bill if you can tell me who the bubble MVP was. Uh, well, it wasn't Steph Curry or Clay Thompson because they were out all season you, with you, injury. You've you named like two players it. who just did not play. <laughs> uh, uh, the other player I know is that guy the uh lebron james it's not lebron james dan i'll double it to 200 dollars and give you the team the portland trailblazers Ooh. uh no uh no idea and it's not cj mccullough that sounds like a country singer no (laughs) no he's just very no it's dame lillard dame lillard dame lillard is wow is that person a uh, ordained knight of the British Empire? Is that why they have that title? No, I think he's just Damien, but he goes by Dame. Oh, uh, Dame. That's he, cool. He That's and Judy Dench name. don't hang out at parties. <laughs> Dame v. Dame? I'd watch a one-on-one game, Dame game v. with this. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> the, the title match. The, that's a pay-per-view I'd pony up for. <laughs> so anyway, that's how the NBA draft lottery works. Interesting. Yeah. It's fun. And it always leads to rumors that it's rigged, which is also fun. Of course. Naturally. You know, they have the, the, the <laughs> you know what they need to do. What? They need to put it on the blockchain so that hey! it can be independently verifiable. Interesting idea. Well, there was a, a not to go to, but the very first draft lottery, Patrick Ewing uh, ended up being a huge NBA star. Amazing in college. They actually they used envelopes, paper envelopes they put in and, and did it around before they did the ping pong balls. And the Knicks had a terrible chance of actually getting him. But he ended they ended up getting him. And the rumor was that they actually froze the envelope ahead of time 
tossed it in. Either they froze it or you'll notice if you watch the video replay of that event, they actually tossed that envelope in and didn't set it in and bent the corner. And the rumor is that they did that on purpose for the Knicks. So when David Stern, the commissioner at the time, reached in to get the envelope, he felt it cold or he felt the bent corner. And that's how the Knicks got Patrick Ewing. This is a real conspiracy theory. What? Where does the the cold part come from? Be, because uh, the commissioner, so they 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 ran the envelopes around, and then the commissioner reached in and grabbed one for the number one pick. And the idea is that he felt for the cold envelope because it had been refrigerated. Versus, oh, so that was just a, a theory that someone crafted that would explain how you could pick it out without being able to exactly see it. that or or the bent corner. All of the envelopes were set in there, but for some reason the next one was tossed in, and you can see in the video the corner gets bent. Now, you can't really tell if David Stern feels for it, but that's the other theory as well. Why the Knicks, huh. a, a famous NBA conspiracy theory. I didn't know there were NBA conspiracy theories. There's a whole section on the NBA Wikipedia page of conspiracies. I recommend checking it out. Oh, my God. Right. I could do a whole episode on this. Believe me. Find it fascinating. Maybe part of Sean Temper. Hey, don't. I've actually I have actually played. Would you guys like a sneak peek of Sean Temper? Yes, we, we, we got a, a food based bracket challenge to redeem ourselves for soups to be salad. I'm writing a mini single episode RPG for Matt to play through. Oh. And we're bringing back a classic segment overrated, underrated or appropriately rated <laughs> uh, as as well as so a, a uh, I'm going to send box uh, a Matt a box of mystery stuff. And he's not going to know what it is uh, until he opens it on the air. So it's going to be a great month. I'm very excited. I finally am putting work into this stupid podcast. <laughs> the and I'm very ex- hit, hit the 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 uh, one episode. So it's going to be time limited. But the one episode RPG is set in a failing shopping mall. Oh, that's so Sean Jennings, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? And there's going to be like that's puzzles the we have to solve. Like- our entire careers. Well, I figured I couldn't set it in a corporate office. I'd already done that. So, <laughs> um, so I figured a, a, a derelict 1980s shopping mall would be. I still have the chest you sent me for that campaign in my, on my desk here. There you go. You know, do you know that's from Saudi Arabia? Yeah. You told us that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 So exotic. I don't know if it's worth anything, but I didn't want it. <laughs> it's your problem now. Uh, uh, Dan, we were talking yeah. before the show. You you had a, a problem you were trying to. Usually on the show in the first segment, we bring problems we we need help with. Right, we're the, sort of an advice sh- show. Yeah, the Sean Help Corner. Oh, I, <laughs> I make no guarantees. Big <laughs> asterisk on that. All right, so here's my problem. Um, I know how to do this the hard way, but I'm curious if there's an easier way. Uh, we live in a small apartment. There are two rooms, but that's pretty much it. And uh, while we're all working remotely, it's possible for one person, for both people or zero, zero people or only one people to be on a call. And it's hard to know that if you're in the room and the door is closed, but you might want to know that uh, before you open the door. Uh, it would might affect how one would traverse their way to the shower, for example. So let's say, or if you were to say anything or if you're going to go and like hook something, you might want to be quiet. Uh, so what I want is a button that I can press that turns a light on over there, and then another button that can be pressed that turns a light on in here. I don't want smart light bulbs because I don't have. There's no other light fixture to put the smart light bulb in. Uh, although 
Maybe that would work because I could just change the color of the light fixture in here. That might look weird behind me if that suddenly turned purple or something. Ideally, it's just like a small little indicator light that I can put somewhere. Um, I know how to do this like Arduinos and stuff, but it sounds like a lot of work. Is there an easier way? There's got to be a better way. Um, yeah, my immediate thought was Philips Hue. And, and I know you said you don't want to do smart light bulbs. I do uh -huh. know, and I've seen them, that there are battery-powered light sockets that take a standard, was that, A19 bulb? Oh. I've seen them, okay. but I don't know if they're any good or what they cost. But my thought is, and that's what I left my desk to get, was my, my Hue remote, uh, which are these bad boys. And they're, they're, they're pretty programmable within the Hue-verse, and so you can actually say when it's on, it can do it the light to a certain amount, to a certain color, to whatever. And then you have a remote on one side and she has a remote on the other. And then you can just click on or click off and it'll just dim the lights on and off. But you can program it per bulb, mm. per switch. Dan, mm. there's I can also confirm that there is a, a Philips Hue like local network API that you can uh, computer with. Oh, computer you say yeah <laughs> okay now we're talking that sounds easy and potentially cheap interesting well, cube bulbs are, are not cheap but right, right but that we wouldn't need to get if i want to use my existing hue bulbs which would be fine for me i think uh actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay i there is another hue bulb in there it's in the closet so i could just like peek the closet open and then it wouldn't be like a bright red background behind me. <laughs> if suddenly, suddenly I'm on a call and suddenly I go to DEFCON 5, well, uh, that would be bad. I mean, but the, I, that even, works. I have these can, can lights that I got at, at uh, Harbor Freight. I think they were like five bucks each and they just plug into a regular outlet anywhere. And uh -huh. it's, it's not a full lamp, but it's a light socket with a cord. Right, but then I would have to buy more Hue light bulbs. Hmm. Because what okay. would be great is you could really then play around with the colors, and different colors could mean different statuses. That's yes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna investigate this uh, since I'm at Recurse Center. This seems like a good project. I'm gonna investigate this uh, Hue local network API thing, and I can make up a little website we could go to that's only on our network, hosted on my Raspberry Pi. That you just press a button and it 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 triggers it. Or I could even make an iPhone app. Well, I would like. I think the voice activation hey, is cool because you, yeah, because you could say, "Hi, smart assistant, uh, tell Dan I'm going to the store," and the light turns purple, and so you know that <laughs> she's le she's left the property. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. This is actually very helpful. Thank you both. <laughs> You're welcome. I think it's a great idea. I, I've been. We've all been struggling in our office. You know, we're all in our cubes, and we're all on the phone all the time. But because they're, it's all Teams calls, we're all like wearing headphones and you can't really tell when someone's actually on a call because not like holding mm -hmm. a phone up to their ear. And so we, we've all been trying to come up with clever ways of like notifying people like don't come into my cube. I'm on the phone. Right. You don't want to have to go out and like change something physically outside. Which some people have done. Do uh, and it's and it's very annoying. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, Dan, that, that's a good problem to solve. You need your own, like, personal on-air light. 
I do. Yeah. Honestly, I would be fine with like a flag on a string and I can pull the string and the flag goes <laughs> up or like I'll do the low tech solution. I don't need something automatic. I mean, oh, you, cool I'm sure that. you could hook it up with teams and like anytime you're in a call, it, it does something without a little motor and it's a Raspberry <sighs> Pi and all that. No, I'm fine with just like a little a little ding, a little something. Awesome. I like it. OK, cool. I'm excited. I will report back. Very good problem to solve. Hey, let me let me ask you guys a, a quick question before we get into the week's tech news, because I could use some help, some advice. OK, my brother just bought a home. Congratulations to him. Very nice young man. Bought a very nice Congrats. house. Uh, and I want to get him a housewarming gift. And of course, I can't get him something like normal. I've got to get him some stupid smart home thing that he doesn't really even want. And so right now he has absolutely he's not a he can use technology, but it's not like a, an interest for him like it is for us. Um, so he does, he has a router, but that's kind of the extent of his smart home. He doesn't really have any kind of smart assistants or smart plugs or lights or anything. Mm-hmm. What would you think would be a good entry level smart home item that would make a good housewarming gift? Does he have I, a home kit device? Like, does he have like a nothing to that it'll like hook up to? Mm. No, and just only it would have to be something with HomeKit already built in that doesn't need a hub. Right. I initially thought I love the Wise cameras, and I, and I was thinking about getting some of those um, for the outside of his property. But I don't know if it's he doesn't live in like a dangerous neighborhood, and it's not something you kind of use on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I I think the most useful smart home thing are things related to climate uh, because it's immediately obvious yep. what it's useful for. It's like, Oh, I can like, you know, turn on my, my air conditioner on the way home from work, or I can like, it'll save me on the energy bill because it'll learn to turn the heat off while I'm, I'm at work. Or if I'm on a trip somewhere, it knows where I am or something. I think those are the most, they're not the cheapest, but they're the most, they're the easiest to get value out of. The most bang for your buck, I think. Whereas a lot of this other stuff, like we talked about this a while ago, it it only starts to get good when you get all the stuff together. Right. Like smart lights are kind of cool, but they get way cooler when it's like, oh, like my lights adjust to the the time of day or if the garage door is open. Yeah, you got to invest time in it. But the the climate stuff, you don't have to invest time in. If you can turn your air conditioner off from your car, everyone gets that and you don't need anything else. That's what I was going to suggest, like, just the Wemo, like, plug. Yeah, I think that's pretty, because everything gets plugged in, so I think there's a lot of opportunity to to use those, and they're pretty simple. But would he be interested in, like, thinking about that? Well, but that's the thing, is, like, I I feel like those really get valuable when you, like, have have an Echo device, or you have something, like, just having them and going into your phone to turn them on, I guess automating stuff, um... Would be one, but you did, Dan, what you just said made me think maybe a smart, I loved my smart garage door opener because mm-hmm. it, it, it's really simple and really you only use it for, I only ever used it in the app. I never used it with any other sort of device and I still found it really useful, especially mm-hmm. with having, yeah, I lived alone, but having two people who live there, both with access to the garage and you can share access to it through that. 
Um, you can see if you left it open at night without having to go out and look. Well, it's and hard it's to cheap. tell from inside your house if, if your garage door is open Especially, and their house, actually, kind of the way it's laid out, it's a good point. And by the way, it's only like 35 bucks. It's it's a really reasonable. Not that I'm trying <laughs> to cheap out on his gift, but, um, you know, you can have like a Nest at 100 bucks or something, you know, an Echo is, I don't know, 60 bucks. What do those run these days? Right. Um, that might work, too. Okay. Nice. I'm just going to keep buying him stuff. <laughs> I want his life to be as complicated as mine. <laughs> that that poor, poor boy. If you're um, a really nice brother, you get him one of those Apple car key enabled cars. Well, the, the BMW <laughs> there with the although you actually do you want to know what he did buy for his house that I'm very jealous of that's sort of related to what we do. Uh, he had to buy a lawnmower because he's never owned a house before this house. It's uh, like half an acre. It's a good sized yard. He bought I was just looking into this an all electric riding mower. And I mm-hmm. got a chance to drive it around. And I uh, got to tell you, it's like, it like a, a Tesla. It's like a freaking go kart. This thing. I mean, it's not that it's fast, but it's zero. It's got a very little turn radius and you really get going. And it's when the blade isn't spinning, it's silent. And you just are sort of zipping mm-hmm. around the yard. And even when the blade's going, um, it was it was it was really nice. Yeah, I was reading this thing just before this program about electric mowers. Yeah, uh, big thing. And. Now. One thing they said was it actually makes mowing the lawn way more enjoyable when you're not inhaling gas fumes the whole time. And mm. all you smell, you smell the fresh lawn smell the whole time. That's it. That's all you smell. And, and what's great is like, to turn oh. it on, you just turn a key and step on the gas. Like, that's literally it. It's so yeah. and, he, and even he showed me he's like, Sean, to like activate the blade from just driving to activating the blade. It's like what, you just pull a thing and the blade goes down and it starts spinning and you go like it's so simple. Yeah, don't need to replace any spark plugs. There's there's no moving parts, essentially. There's no belts. There's no... Oh, there's a moving blade. Well, there, yeah, <laughs> outside of the blade and the main motor. Um, hey, no moving parts lawnmower. I, I guess I could use lasers or something. That's an interesting idea. Um, the, the only downside I saw to it was his shed is at the opposite end of the property from the house. And there's no electricity out there, so he can't store his mower in the gra- in the shed. He has to do it in his garage where he can plug it in. Well, you can mm-hmm. help him out with that. You can get him hooked up with one of those sheds that has electric hookups. Super shed. Just get him a very, <laughs> a very long extension cord. Um, yeah, exactly. The my My parents have an electric lawnmower as well, which they got for free because my sister reviewed electric lawnmowers for her job. And like had to use my she does she lives in an apartment building <laughs> like she she used my parents uh my parents field <laughs> do, do they charge it with the flower i probably with the big yeah, solar flower so yeah how many months did it take her to review all those because the grass doesn't grow back that quickly or i guess you could just do a small patch each well, time <laughs> that's what my parents have a giant field so they just did uh, like right. yeah they did that that would be such a competitive advantage right i don't know what the word for that is it's not quite nepotism but (laughs) no i mean whatever company she worked for they're lucky that that she was there because employees are not that many people who could review 25 lawnmowers in a reasonable amount of time and that's like so i don't understand a whole lot about like my sister is a freelancer she doesn't like work for the company but they have this like forum sort of where like the people who freelance for them can like claim like oh i want to review this product so they post things and like 
all the things that are like easy, you know, like vacuums or like kitchenware or stuff like are like someone picks it up immediately. But this one was on there for like a like six months or something. <laughs> and my my sister finally did it. I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's the future. It sure is. Um, gentlemen, we have got some tech news on here. Uh, some compelling stories this week. Well, you decide what we're going to start with. I want to thank everybody joining us now live at facebook.com slash don't panic show. We're clearly more interesting than Michelle Obama. Um, how dare they counter program uh, us with her? Uh, join us live Monday nights about 10 15 Eastern. And if you're watching live, hang out with us in the chat on the Facebook page. We'll be watching for your comments. Guys, what story numero uno? I think I know where you're going to go, but maybe you'll surprise me. I mean, it has to be the Fortnite stuff, right? It's got it's yeah. it's an epic story, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> it's a bit complex, so I'm going to take it back to the beginning, if you will. Um, there's this thing called the internet, the information <laughs> superhighway. Yes, exactly, Dan. It's not a truck. It's a series of tubes, and uh, I guess we'll fast forward a little bit. Uh, app stores are a great way to distribute your apps. However, they don't do it out of the goodness of their hearts for free. They take a cut. Uh, Apple, just as the key example in this case, uh, 30% of your app sale, they also take 30% of your in-app purchases, and that's very important. Anytime you sell digital goods within an app, Apple takes 30% of that. It's against Apple's policy for you to sell digital uh, products in an app without going through them. That's, for example, you download the Amazon Prime Video app. You can't rent a video directly from the iOS app because Apple doesn't want to pay the 30% fee. Although maybe they changed that because I think they may have negotiated a lower fee with them. But anyway, regardless, you get the idea. Uh, Epic Games, the company behind Fortnite, uh, decided uh, they had had enough and they weren't going to do it. So uh, last week or, or uh, uh, the week after, I forget the exact date, but basically they decided, eh, we're going to pass. And so they worked around Apple to create a, their own payment system. And basically it worked like this. iOS allows certain developers, especially game developers, to update app aspects of the game itself without going through the App Store. That is how they were able to get it in there without going through Apple's review. And what they did was they said you can buy the uh, Apple in-app purchase, uh, whatever the in-game currency is, or get a discount by buying it directly through Epic. When you did that, it would take you inside the app to a PayPal or other, it wasn't Apple Pay, there were other payment options, enter a credit card, within the app itself, and then you would put in your payment information and get it at a discount. That pretty clearly violates Apple's rules, whether or not you agree with them. Um, it, it's definitely against it. Apple wasn't happy. Uh, Google wasn't as well. They did the same thing on Android, which is also against their rules. Uh, and both uh, Fortnite was removed on both platforms. Uh, Epic, not happy about it. Clearly knew a fight was coming. They launched a protest video to mock the iconic 1984 Mac commercial. Uh, they also had um, hashtag free Fortnite they were promoting. Um, and ultimately, they filed a, uh, a lawsuit against Apple um, and I believe Google as well. Um, that I'm trying to find the exact uh, terms of the lawsuit here. Uh, Epic Games is currently valued at $17 billion, uh, a big, big company. Uh, they're not a small guy to 
to take them on. Um, yeah, they're a bit bigger than Hey, the email app. Yeah, they're not rinky dink. And so that was sort of the initial story around this. And uh, slowly it's been building over the last couple days. Uh, there was news today that um, Apple is threatening to pull not only the Fortnite app, but all of Epic's um, developer the app tools. app is already pulled. Right. And they're going to pull off, uh, cut off their developer agreement for Epic, which not only is a big deal for Fortnite, but as I was reading right before we got in the air, that affects their ability to develop on the Unreal Engine, which is something that Epic owns and develops. And that could potentially have huge impacts on a number of apps um, and other properties that use the Unreal Engine um, from major games to small games uh, to non-game things and everything in between. Yeah, that's a big that's a big uh, SDK. Damn. Uh, they have until August 28th to make the changes before Apple says they will do that. Wow. Well, um, now, so can you clarify like the timing of all this for me? Because what it seemed like the way the story was told or the way I read the story when it first happened was like they did this thing knowing full well that Apple was going to ban them from the store and they had all this like press these press releases in this lawsuit like all prepped and ready to go and this was basically like a a trap right for for apple to to do the thing that they were obviously going to do and then they (laughs) like would sue them for it is that what happened it seemed like it was what happened but i yeah because that video came out the same day that the like they sued them the same day that they got banned or the next day and the video came out the same day. So, yeah, it was prepared. Okay. For Basically, sure. yeah, I mean, it happened very quickly that they had the update and they were kicked out of the app store basically the same day. Um, yeah. And so and then they filed the antitrust uh, monopoly. lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that uh, the developer agreement revocation that's what uh apple did to facebook when they did that thing to get around the app store earlier this year last year i don't remember yeah a a little while back yeah when they were um where they had that like secret vpn that was scraping uh users data Mm. the children's vpn or something yeah yes the one that they gave teens twenty dollars to give facebook all of their personal (laughs) information but hey (laughs) unlike the rest of us at least they got paid um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, the other one interesting tidbit from the Google lawsuit specifically was that apparently Google forced uh, OnePlus, the phone manufacturer OnePlus, uh, to kill a Fortnite launcher deal um, after the company kicked it from the Play Store. So it had uh, very serious sort of um, using its market power as a monopoly potentially to, um, to, to leverage it against Epic. I mean, the lawsuit... I'm not a lawyer, uh, nor have I read a lot into it, but it certainly seems to be very interesting. And, and they've retained, uh, apparently, the the lawyer and, and law firm they've detained is is very well versed in anti. I mean, this is this is a this isn't a fluff lawsuit. It's a real lawsuit. Yeah, make no doubt. They're not in it for a quick settlement. I mean, this is this is the real deal. And I think it's also important to point out that uh, Epic has a video game store on Windows. That competes with Steam and the Windows Store, uh, so that might be what they are wanting to do. Like, hey, if we can pry open this little iOS gold mine, 
stick our app store in there, uh, we stand to make a good chunk of change because they already have a bunch of apps in there, a bunch of games at least. Yeah, and they they basically say that in the lawsuit, that that's what it's present, preventing them from doing. We talked uh, on the show a couple weeks ago how um, the future of streaming games, uh, of the sort of the xCloud and Facebook mm-hmm. gaming, isn't allowed uh-huh. based on the current rules of the app store because you can't have an app with an app store within an app store. Right. So here's uh, the monopoly question. This is one of those areas of law where I suspect there are no real answers and it's it's all just politics about, you know, who how the law is actually interpreted. But who's to say that Epic doesn't have a monopoly on like Fortnite items? You can only get Fortnite bucks through Epic. Uh, That's not very fair. Where's the free market there? They can charge whatever they want to. How is that any different from an app store? They're both like digital goods. I, 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 as again, in case anyone was unaware, and I really do have to address this, I'm not a lawyer, but right. <laughs> I believe it just has to do with the type of industry you're in. Where if I owned a monopoly on dashboard knobs, I don't think I would get much attention that could get away from it. If I owned a monopoly on cars, I think you're going to get a lot more attention. And I think that's where monopoly is all about size, right? That's what makes right. you a monopoly. And I think comparing the, the sort of Fortnite in-app game store to the Apple app store, I don't think, I think that's sort of where you get into trouble. And I agree with you. Fortnite's huge. And, you know, again, because also I don't understand how the Fortnite app store works. So maybe I shouldn't be talking at all or the, their in-game store, but like, it's an issue of if you let some people do it, you have to let everyone do it. So if on Fortnite, the Fortnite people are the only one who can put goods on that store, then it's not open to the public and they they can have that monopoly. I think the issue with Apple is that they're they're unfairly treating certain people versus others. You know, again, Dan, by the way, you're exactly right. Most antitrust lawsuits come down to certain judges with opinions and very confused juries who also don't understand these laws. <laughs> and that's why you hear about these antitrust suits that go on for decades and go through appeals till they're blue in the face. Right. And like another thing I've heard brought up on this story is what's the difference between Apple and Microsoft, Apple and Nintendo, Apple and Sony. If you want to put your games on any of those consoles, you have to play by their rules. Their rules are not just like pay us a shitload of money, though that is one of the rules. There's also like very specific rules about what things you can do with your game and how it has to work. Yeah, I, I, I think that's part of the argument here with the app store is that, you know, it's one thing to take 30 percent from downloading an app. You know, that that's part of the cost of operating the store. Um, I, I think what it is, is that they're just locked into selling in-app content. Um, and preventing and discouraging app developers from developing or integrating alternate payment processing solutions. Oh, right, right, but you can't, like, make a Nintendo Switch game and just accept PayPal in the game. That has to go through the Nintendo Store. Is that true? Yeah. I I mean, I've never seen a game doing that. Same thing with Apple, or same thing with Sony. I mean, I've never, like, opened up a DLC in a PS4 game. And it's like, why don't you just go to this random website and enter your <laughs> PayPal information? 
Well, and that's and but that's what's kind of crazy to me about it. And this is sort of the flip side of it, where I think Apple's probably less concerned about the legal ramifications and more concerned about the their standing in the app community in the developer community uh, and how it affects their app developers and their their perception of that. I mean, it, it is kind of bonkers when you think about it that. I totally forgot what point I was going for. Son of a bitch, and I was on a roll. Were we, were we talking about uh, Nintendo Store, the Sony Store? Oh, it, it's it's a. I just keep coming back to it's a scale thing, and I think that's why you go after Apple because if Apple loses this for some reason and they say app stores are treated a certain way and you can't do, you're going to see it roll out to Nintendo and to all these other guys. You know, app stores are kind of a newer concept where it's. You know, you look at the the old days of, of Mac and Windows and stuff, and there was no central store. You just downloaded programs and installed them. Um, to this idea, and that's, I, to me, where the monopoly comes in, where I couldn't open an app store on, on iOS. Uh, and is that legal? Maybe. Maybe. But then again, when, when iPhone is a certain percentage of the U.S. market, at what point does it become prohibitive to app developers? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I Like I said, I, I think... At, uh, go ahead, Colby. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't think I really want like Joe, any Joe Schmo to be able to open an app store yeah. for iOS. I like, I think there's like, there's like a lot of like value as as much as like the app review process can be crazy and like some companies have a worse time doing that than others do and uh, you know it can be terrible and black boxy like i feel like there is something to be said about like you know you download an app on ios and like you aren't concerned that it's going to like destroy your phone or like you know for for the most part like send all your 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 personal information Unless like it's Facebook. right right i was gonna say for the most part with some notable exceptions so like they are like they certainly put a lot of resources into like into the app store and into like app review and like all of that stuff and you know i think that shows and there are benefits for all of us but i really don't think the like the in-app purchase stuff is where I think they like kind of have gone a bridge too far. Like that seems really unreasonable to me. And it's not only like the, the it's, it's like they, they've just taken it to like the, the complete extreme. Like not only can you not have in-app purchases in your, in your app that don't use Apple stuff, but you can't even like, have marketing have material in your app that like links out to your website where a person can purchase an app, right? Like you can't even tell people that you can do it on the website. It it seems very silly. Well, and that that's Apple's position, and they've come out and said they said, look, every time you download a free app, it costs us money. Now, again, in, in the micro ness, it's not much, but you add it up over the millions and millions and millions yeah. of apps. Well, and like the most popular apps are all free, right? And and I totally and they don't make a dime off of Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. That's true. 
And and yeah. that's and I, that's why I've never had a problem with them taking a cut of apps people buy. Look, they got to operate the store. And by the way, they also take a cut of subscriptions. They take 30% of subscriptions too, and that's ongoing revenue. And I get that. It costs some money to do that. But I totally agree with you, Colby. In-app purchases is bonkers to me because if I'm playing Candy Crush and I buy a thousand coins for $3, what does that actually cost Apple to, to activate a thousand coins in the game? That I don't understand why they get 30% of that as well. And I, and I get yeah. that there's, I'm sure they could make an argument, oh, when you do it through, it's it's because it's Apple Pay and you're doing it through us and there's fees and there's like, but 30% yes. is like. Well, it's like, it's all that stuff. It's like, oh, you're doing it through us, but also you can't not do it through right. us. Right, exactly. Well, and that's the monopoly power, right? Yes. Is the ability exactly. to, 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 not, to not only not offer an alternative, but to actively say to a company like Fortnite, if Fortnite gets taken off the App Store, that they're a multi-billion dollar company that's brought to its knees i mean that's the power of the apple app store that's a monopoly right yeah but you know again to me it, it just comes down to what's the developer reaction i mean I, the courts are going to do what the courts are going to do i'm curious if Fortnite fans will really have any impact on this um you know be, being the fan base that the game has and and then i just wonder you know if, if app developers are going to work around it and, and if they'll have any sway with Apple and get them to reverse some of these positions. I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, you know, by the way, there are rumors of an Apple event um, in October already starting to float around for the next iPhones, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they came out and said, look, we hear you were cutting the fees in half, or I don't think they'd get rid of them, but maybe go down to 15%. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's something about what you're only a are you only monopoly if you're anti-competitive? Where's the anti-competitive aspect come into it? Or is that a different charge altogether? Okay, I'm going to read what the lawsuit said. And you tell me okay. if this makes sense. All right. A Apple unlawfully maintains its monopoly power in the iOS app distribution market through the anti-competitive acts described herein, including by imposing technical and contractual restrictions on iOS, which prevents the distribution of iOS apps through means other than the App Store and prevents developers from distributing competing app stores to iOS users. And then there's a couple other here through its unlawful denial to Epic and other app distributors of an essential facility access to iOS, which prevents them from competing. To reach iOS users, Apple forces developers to agree to Apple's unlawful terms contained in its developer agreement and to comply with the review guidelines, um, including the requirement that iOS developers distribute their apps through the app stores. See, uh, I I think that if there is a monetary argument to be made here, like they're they're being anti-competitive by charging too much uh, because there's no market force that forces them to not charge. Uh, that holds more water to me than this idea that like anything that is an app store is inherently anti-competitive, which it seems like what they're saying, like, Hey, you have to agree to these terms. You have to like do this stuff. If I have to go back to the world where like every app has their own little payment thing, and I get that stupid little SSL padlock, which means nothing on the screen and not in the browser, but like, you remember those on the page, you go, like, oh, so yeah. secured with Norton antivirus or whatever. It's like when I buy something on in an app, I know I'm not going to, I'm not like getting my credit card information stolen. I know that that company is not getting my credit card information. I don't want to go back to that. I think this world where only a few companies have our credit card information is way better than it was. 
And so we need to find some way to preserve that aspect. Well, and I agree with you from a customer or consumer perspective. You're absolutely right. It is a good experience for consumers. That's why Apple sells a lot of iPhones. You're not wrong. I think if you remember when Apple or when Microsoft lost its antitrust uh, rulings back in the 90s, that was based on a lot of things, but a big piece of that was the fact that they were pre-installing Internet Explorer and using it as the default browser. Back then, by the way, you could install an alternate browser. You just had to go around and do it yourself. And that was considered, again, because of scale. When you own 80% of a market, if, if you can't get on that product, you're essentially shut out of the market. But then here's the other thing. Isn't Apple only 30% of the market? I don't, you know, I don't. All right, I'm gonna have to look. iOS app share of market. I'm gonna have to look. I, I, it says here worldwide iOS is 24%, but I gotta look and see what it is. I gotta track down the US numbers. That'd be interesting. But then again, they were also kicked off of Google at 74% because the app stores well, have similar. Google, and Google also, like, I think you have to use Google Pay to like do your in-app purchases for the same reason. Yeah, iOS is just about 60% in the U.S. Really? I w- I'm surprised. And then Android, it's... by the way, is about 40%, and then that's it. They yeah. really are only two mobile operating systems. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's as close to a monopoly as you can get. A monopoly is, I think, considered, this was the big thing when Sprint and T-Mobile merged, and they said it's, we're going from four carriers to three carriers. At what point does it become a monopolized sector? Uh-huh. And what was the answer? Or just, Again, the they, they were allowed to merge, so I guess three is is good enough. You know, <laughs> it, it is it is a tough question. That's why the courts struggle so hard with it. There is no cut and dry rule um, across the way. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. I wonder if there will be because, like, on Android, I think he, they can. Epic can distribute the app from their website, right? Like, you can, like, I, don't I know, think so. Like, you can go to Epic's website and download the, like, Fortnite APK and, like, install it on your phone. I yeah. don't know how hard that is. Like, do you have to do yeah. the thing on, like, Mac or, like, I, I, so I solemnly swear that I will not hold Google liable for any. <laughs> there are a lot uh, of disclosures. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, which is not yeah. appealing but to. It's an update issue, is what it is. Right. You know, That's you right. get it on there once and they I'm sure they can update items within the game itself, you know, within the app itself. But at some point you are have to download another APK. Yeah, because if you if you remember when when Fortnite very first came out, they didn't want to go on the app store. This was years ago. They didn't want to go on the app store because they didn't want to pay the fees. And so they initially came out as an APK for Android, if you remember. And it was a big deal where they're like, no, we're when they first went to mobile. They're like, no, no, we're first doing an APK and everyone's like, this is stupid. And then they very quickly realized it was stupid. So I don't think they necessarily have a lot of interest in going back to there, but they might have to. Yeah. They could just make a Fortnite phones. Fort phones. Running a, running a Fortnite <laughs> operating system. Yeah. They're, they're fork of Android. Fortnite OS. Fortnite. Hey, but um, All right. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, we talked for a long time on that. We can do a quick another story if you'd like. If there's anything in here, um, the Surface oh. Duo. Real quick, can you describe your emotions reading about the uh, Surface Duo? 
I want one. I really do. Like, this is the first Android device where I'm like, gosh, that's neat. I don't need it. And like I said, I tweeted this out, and that's why you bring this up. I tweeted out, and I knew it wasn't going to be 700 bucks, but I said, if this is 700 bucks or less, I'll buy one. I And I would have. I really would have. Unfortunately, it's not. It's twice as much. It's 1400 bucks. the Surface Duo. It's a dual-screen, foldable Android phone, um, but unlike some of the other foldable phones we've talked about, it's not a single connected screen. It's actually two separate screens in a clamshell that you uh, that you fold together. But it's like what got you so jazzed about it? I think for one, I think it, I actually think it looks really nice. I think the design on it is is pretty slick. I think it looks a little bit better than some of the foldable phones. Although the new Galaxy Fold does look nice, the updated version. Uh, and I just think. I don't know. I because I, the screens are a little chunkier, I think, than like the Galaxy Fold. I think they're they're a little bit bigger, and it strikes me more as sort of a more of a foldable tablet than like a bigger expanding phone. And there was something about that where I was like, oh, okay, I, you really could use this as like a dual, a true dual screen device rather than like a super big phone. Hmm. There is something endearing about it. Like it seems like a notebook. Like, you just flip it open and do some things. Well, and this is the old, uh, what, what was the name of the project from years ago that they scrapped? And then everyone was like, you got to bring it back. I forgot the What was the? <sighs> that bumps me out. Anyway, regardless of that, uh, to me, if you're like, hey, Sean, what should a foldable phone look like? I would tell you this. You know what I mean? Like, I look mm-hmm. at the, the Galaxy or the Motorola, and I'm like, that looks weird. Maybe it's futuristic, but it's weird. And this is like, no, they literally took a couple screens and slapped them together and made a phone out of it. And I'm like, all right, that's awesome. There's there's also, like, from the looks of it, it's not like the, the, the Galaxy phone where the screen actually folds. Right. It's, it's like, literally two screens, uh, like, hinged together yeah which seems, seems i would feel a lot much more i would feel much more confident in carrying around this device than i would one one of the folding screens <laughs> uh um, yeah and i i think this really to me a foldable phone is it's a little bit of a gimmick it's a little bit of i like a big screen on my phone but to me the duo is like i need a phone i can actually do like legitimate work on like i feel like this is i, I i'm not a tablet person but I need something that's a little more beefy than a phone. Like to me, I actually see the use case for this versus a foldable phone. And that's the difference for me. Yeah. And it runs Android and not windows, which is great. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's rumors that uh, once, cause Microsoft is working on a version of windows to run on a device like this, but it's launching with Android. So um, it's interesting. So if you want one, September 10th, 1400 bucks available for pre-order. I don't actually even think the pricing is kind of crazy because that's kind of, I mean, a phone is a thousand bucks these days if you're paying cash. So I, I don't think it's absurd. I was just, you know, dreaming. Oh, speaking of dreams, let's move on to the picks. It's the part of the show where each of us brings something we want to talk about and share. And boy, do we have a healthy collection of picks here in the rundown. Colby, why don't you go first since we've already essentially teased your pick? Yeah, um, this is a thing I got a long time ago. I think probably in like October or something like last year for for making eggnog for holiday times, I bought an immersion blender. But Dan, friend of the show, Dan, show of the show, Dan, host of the show, Dan, that's the that's that's the moniker. Um, 
Dan was lamenting the fact that if you start cooking a lot, you acquire a need for all kinds of like kitchen devices, like mixers and blenders and food processors and immersion blenders. And, you know, the list goes on. Um, but I got I got this immersion blender and this was the first like spinning kitchen device that I that I acquired. And I mean, this was a wire cutter pick, obviously. <laughs> but I, I, they had a couple of picks and they had one that was like, this is our pick. And they had another like this one is like almost as good as our pick, but it comes with all these attachments and it has like a little like whisk attachment and it has a big like jug that you can immersion blend in. And it also has a food processor attachment. So I got this thing like, just like, Oh, that seems useful. Like I just wanted it to be an immersion blender, but I got the food processor thing. And now like, you know, five months later, quarantine happens, blah, blah, blah. Um, so like I, as, 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 pretty much I think everyone does now like I cook at home a lot more than I was before and like I have this this food processor thing like I don't have to have a separate device and it's not like you know it's not like the greatest food processor in the world um but like it is a food processor you can use it to blend things maybe not ice but like you can process foods like you can throw carrots in there instead of like chopping them up super small so Colby, you have got to become a professional product reviewer with with such insights as this is an immersion blender and you can use it to blend things. (laughs) Deep insights. I love it. It it blends things. It cuts (laughs) things up in different ways. (laughs) I'm just kidding with you. This this does look very nice. This does look sweet. It's 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 uh, it seems great. Although, unfortunately, it seems like it's out of stock basically everywhere. Um, in my my quick googling, so um, everyone else thought it seemed I, great too. Hey, look, nothing is in stock these days, so yeah. um, I, I wish you the best if you can find one. But yeah, the Breville Control Grip Immersion Blender. Oh, it's it's uh it's in stock at uh, at Williams Sonoma, though it's back ordered until October. So nice. Excellent. Very cool. Nice pick. Nice pick. Always good to have a, a wire cutter selection. Um, Dan, what you listening to these days? So in the spirit of some other shows, I picked these limited run uh, podcasts, not shows, podcasts uh, like the one I picked a while ago about the order to intern Japanese Americans. He's like little history podcasts. Let's do a podcast called Blowback about the Iraq War, which is more funny than the ones I've listened to, but as far as I can tell, it is actually research and is factual. It definitely has its its bent, uh, but it's getting hard to say that, that their bent is wrong. So uh, check out Blowback, blowback.show. Um, it's uh, slightly amusing, and I've learned a bunch of things. I, I especially like the beginning episodes where they go way back into, like, where did all this come from? Mm-hmm. What was happening in the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s? Yeah, and the whole series is available. They've, they've essentially published all of them, I believe. Yeah, I think so. For a while, it was a Stitcher, Stitcher only. Yeah, it looks like uh, all 10 episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and other platforms. So, very cool. 
Very cool. You can check that out. Um, I will send us home here. Guys, do you have a will? I have a way. Oh, that's close. Uh, no, you know, now that now that I'm making some changes in my life, uh, I'm getting a new roommate, which I'm looking forward to uh, buying a new house. I figure and I also, by the way, own nothing of value. And so I figured I should probably get a will. Um, <laughs> but I'm poor and lazy, uh, like most Americans. Uh, and I didn't want to call like a real lawyer. So I decided to try out LegalZoom, which you've probably heard of through ads and things of that nature. They do all sorts of online um, legal services. Uh, I paid them, I think it was a one-time fee, and then I they got me for some ad. It was about 200 bucks uh, I paid them, and they take you step-by-step step to build out uh, the three apparently main documents you need. Your last will, which is uh, what you do with your stuff, financial power of attorney if you're like in a coma or something, and then the living will, which is whether or not they pull the plug on you and stuff like that. Um and it was really easy. I swear to God, it took me 10 minutes to do it. They ask you very generic questions. Do you, what kind of stuff do you own? Like if you have a pet, what do you want to happen to your pet? And, you know, after you're dead, do you want to be buried or what do you want to happen to you? And all that, you know, if, if you're in a coma and a doctor says you'll never recover, should they keep you alive or not? Like all those sorts of things. But it's like an online survey. I mean, it was really quick. And then they, I split, they hit me up for 20 bucks, but then they nicely printed out all the files for me and mailed them to me, which was great. Because to make them legal, you actually have to get, it's different for each document, but you have to sign them, you have to get witnesses to sign them, you, I think one of them you have to get notarized um, to make it nice and official, but I thought for 200 bucks, it was worth it. It's at least some peace of mind, um, especially, by the way, if you have, like, parents or grandparents who don't have a will for some reason, like, I'm I'm getting as a gift uh, a gift card to LegalZoom for my mother so she can have a will, because uh, she doesn't, again, she doesn't own anything, but... Um, Dan, you're you're laughing. You gotta be careful the way you present that. <laughs> oh, no, no, she loves the idea. She absolutely loves the idea because she doesn't have to deal with it. And and frankly, for someone who has a lot of medical issues, I'm like, Ma, look, I'm gonna pull the plug on you. I just need legally for it to be okay. So, um, she she's got to fill out this paperwork. So, uh, you know, will it stand up in a court of law? I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. They say it will, but for two hundred bucks, I figure it's better than nothing. Um, and it was easy. So, oh. Sean, I think this begs the question, in the, the event of your untimely death, who gets Don't Panic, me or Dan? <laughs> it, I, honestly, I, I left everything to Charlie the Cat, so <laughs> he's the new co-host and owner of oh. Coffee and Beer LLC. Um, nice. So, are you happy, guy? Yeah? <laughs> you want to own all my stuff? No, he doesn't. He doesn't want my... He doesn't. Nobody wants my life. Nobody wants you my... Are. I have put it this way. I have a negative net worth, so nobody wants my stuff. Believe me. Uh, I left it all it. to Matt. Uh, no, uh, so, <laughs> he wouldn't know what to do with it. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Legal zoom. Check it out. I give it a shot. They got a bunch of other legal stuff too. I don't know you want to start a business or something. Uh, all right, guys, I think that pretty much wraps us up here tonight. Uh, I do want to quickly mention, uh, we did finally get a new up for debate episode out. Creed and Creed 2, I yelled and screamed a lot, so you know we were having fun. Uh, fine movies, but frustrating movies, and we rank all the Rocky movies, which is fun. And we already have planned out basically the next couple months of shows, which is rare for us, but next week we're doing a coronavirus episode, um, talking about how the world has changed, and, and from sports to movies to just our ways of life. 
kind of a free form episode should be fun and then we roll into sean uh sean tober no sean tember <laughs> i better learn that sean tember uh which i've talked about a ton of fun stuff playing there and then guys we've even playing through october it is going to be october ween or a better name i'm going to come up with between now and then uh it is a scary month and so we're going to do scare a couple scary movies again including a, uh, a live commentary track uh, we're also going to read, uh, we're going to do a Goosebumps episode, and we're going to read some classic Goosebumps books, and we're also going to do adult horror books, where Matt and I are each going to pick uh, sort of more of a Stephen King-level horror book. Uh, no, not like erotic, although that would be very funny, because there are a bunch of those, you know, people have sex with, with mummies or crazy stuff like that, but... Um, but we're going to do more, uh, we're going to do the kids version in Goosebumps and then the more adult versions with some books as well. So we're going to do a whole scary month in October. So upfordebate.tv is a website. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. Look for Up For Debate. Fun stuff coming up. Um, gentlemen, this show, don'tpanic.io, our great website. Colby jocked it out of the park. Um, with that, you can get all of the past episodes there. Uh, the audio, the video, of course, links to all of our picks uh, as well. Um I like how in 2014, uh, it doesn't say the name, but someone picked the new Foursquare. Remember that one, Foursquare spun off Swarm back in 2014? Yeah. Seems like just yesterday. <laughs> um, what a time to be alive. And so uh, check out the website. Of course, subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, uh, Spotify. We're on all the platforms, video on YouTube as well. Uh, and of course, you can follow us at Don't Panic Show on Twitter. Email us, Don't Panic Show at gmail.com. Guys, we done here, uh, but we're going to be back next week with more tech news, more fun discussions, uh, and all of that sort of good stuff. On behalf of Colby and Dan, I'm Sean. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time for yet another Don't Panic. This has been a Coffee and Beer production. Executive produced by Dan Miller, Colby Rabideau, and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.